Hello and welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Rubenstein, joined by always, uh, or joined as always, uh, by David Bixenspan on our Wednesday edition where we talk about SmackDown Live. And this week we have a special guest. We teased it last week. We have Andrew Zarian from the GFQ Network and the Matt Men podcast. Andrew, thanks for joining us this week. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Uh, this is awesome. I'm a big fan of Wrestling Inc. For, I mean, for years I've been reading it. So uh, to be on the podcast, it's an absolute treat. No, it's fantastic to have you. And uh, David, good to see you as well. Uh, David, I'll, I'll start with uh, you. Uh, what, what were your thoughts about SmackDown Live last night uh, coming in post-backlash and seeing where we're going currently with uh, with things? Um, I felt like there wasn't quite enough forward movement aside from the Cena stuff. It felt like that was the only really new, like, substantive addition. Otherwise, everything felt like kind of, like, Still uh, continuing from the pay-per-view maybe a little bit too much. Like, I think Mm. the biggest culprit being the women's match. Well, yeah, I mean, we definitely had, uh, you know, the, the the Fatal Five way last night to crown the new number one contender for the women's belt, which, of course, Becky Lynch won Sunday night on Backlash. Of course, Alexa Bliss did win that. Uh, Andrew, what were were your overall thoughts before we dive match by match and segment by segment? What did you think of last night post-backlash? So I really, really enjoyed it. And normally what I do is I live tweet while I'm watching it. And I started doing it, but I was absolutely exhausted, so I totally stopped, you know, and I fell asleep. But I watched it again this morning. And I guess because of the lack of distractions, I was really able to concentrate and I genuinely enjoyed the show. I thought they put together a, a, a solid, you know, two hour show and everything led to no mercy. Yeah, no, I mean, I felt they really laid the groundwork. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly excited for it. I think I have, I have a vested interest because I have tickets to No Mercy in Sacramento <laughs> uh, coming up next month. But I mean, it's kind of cool to see how they just they laid it out there. We had the continuing storyline set up. And let's start uh, first and foremost with, yeah, as uh, as David mentioned, Zon Cena is back and uh, came out, confronted AJ Styles in the ring. I, th- I thought it was interesting. AJ, you know, I really feel like they're just hammering it so hard home with him trying to do the face that runs the place last night, the champ that runs the camp. And uh, we had him, of course, confronted by John Cena announcing his intentions to tie Ric Flair's record and become a 16 time title holder, uh, getting that title off styles of course dean ambrose came out into the ring uh, as well because he wants his rematch against aj post backlash on sunday and uh then shane came out and announced that we're going to have a triple threat at no mercy for that title teasing that later in the show there would be a tag team match cena and ambrose together with styles and an opponent of his choosing or else one will be assigned to him uh for the tag team match in the main event which we'll cover later in the show but andrew uh to you first i mean what do you think about this for the the you know the arc the story arc for cena's return you know i i was not looking forward to seeing cena return until he actually returned i i I like that they're getting a little bit more personal a little more shooty with the stuff that they're saying um cena cena was aggressive he wasn't playing things off like his oh well i'll get you next time john cena mentality uh i i really enjoyed it and listen we're getting a wrestlemania quality main event on for no mercy i mean dean ambrose john cena and aj styles obviously it's going to be a great match regardless of you know who wins i'm curious to see how much they push the 16 time championship win for john cena I, i'm curious to know if you guys think maybe it's a little wasted in a you know to do it now and maybe they should start a little closer to mania with this hint 
for the 16-time championship. I still believe that um, if I were to guess right now, I don't think he wins it. I would have liked to see uh, Triple H and him trying to go for that 16 and who gets it first. But this would have been like a year ago if, if we were you know fantasy booking here. Um, I, I think it's cool. I think we're going to get a great match out of all three of them. Yeah, David? I noticed something watching this, and it's less of a gripe with the segment itself and more with just I have this kind of epiphany when it comes to WWE right now. There are no twists and turns. Every There are no real angles most of the time. Everything is just... Everyone's just kind of acting a little too civilly, talking to each other. A match is made for the end of the show or the next pay-per-view. If it's at the end of the show, the match happens. Then, you know, if if it's that there are baby faces that were maybe slightly in conflict as they were last night, then one of them attacks the other, and that sets up the intrigue for a triple threat bubble. It just feels like we just keep seeing the same things over and over again, Anything that's theoretically a twist, like Ambrose attacking Cena, isn't really. <laughs> and it feels like we're just going in circles over and over. And it's it's not it's not grabbing me from a sto- the story point of view. The individual moments, the actual talking, can be good, but it's like there's no there's no bigger picture. Well, it feels like certainly, I mean, since, uh, or, or side rather from our trip to the, to that, to the Wyatt compound, uh, what a month or two ago, we haven't really left the arena where, you know, where, where these, uh, matches are being held or where SmackDown or Raw are coming from. Um, I mean, what do you think, Andrew, do you think that that's sort of missing that there needs to be more of that sense, like back in the attitude era of, you know, stone cold and the cement in the Corvette or outside, you know, uh, outside the house with uh, Pillman inside with the gun. I mean, yeah. do we need to sort of take things out to sort of set the stakes on a larger scale? Or do you think this is working with this sort of matchmaking? No, you guys bring up an interesting point because I, I had this discussion with somebody uh, that was a big fan in the attitude era and then came back, during the whole Daniel Bryan thing. And the biggest complaint was everything feels like you know what's happening next. And, and I don't know if it's because of the way that they're writing now and they're, it's more predictable writing. And, or is it the fact that we saw everything happen already? You know, when we saw Austin, uh, you know, killing everybody essentially and, you know, running in and everything was a twist and everything was uh, out of this world. And we had never seen anything like that in pro wrestling. It was just the era. Now... We have seen everything. Is it, is it partially the writing style and the way that they're laying things out? Or is it the fact that we are so exposed to all of this already where it's really hard to do anything that's going to say, well, I didn't see that coming? Yeah. I think now it's going meta with it. And I think we see things like um, what Ambrose was saying last night to Cena about him being a part-timer. Cena referencing the Stone Cold podcast. You know, I mean, it's rare that you hear a podcast reference uh, sort of in kayfabe. And I thought that was really interesting, um, them taking that interview. But I I feel like that's what they do now to, to, you know, get our attention and surprise us, is to to echo a lot of the comments you see online. I mean, to kind of put it a different way, though. I'm sorry? it's less maybe twists and stuff is not the right way to put it. It doesn't really feel episodic. It doesn't feel like there's really episodic storytelling. I agree just, with you a hundred percent. happens. There. Yeah. They wrap up most of it by the end of the show. Anything that's not wrapped up is just kind of dangling to be going towards the match at the next paper. So let me ask you, this. there's Do nothing you think... really building. 
Do you think the NXT way of doing it, because NXT is more episodic, it's a slower way of telling, because obviously they write, they, they, they record, you know, a bunch of shows in one day. Do you think that format would be something that makes more sense for something like SmackDown to write for? Yeah, I mean, it's how wrestling television was done for decades, at least in good promotions. It's That's... That's the way it should be. I mean, that's how Raw was in its early days. That's how WCW Saturday Night was. That's how Nitro was. That's how Memphis Wrestling was. It needs to be more like that. It needs to be more like NXT. You know, the whole thing about next week is something that's lacking. We don't really see that. We don't see, you know, by the way, this and this happened. Next week, we're going to see blah, 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 you know, happen. And then it just continues beyond that. You're absolutely right. The the feeling that it's a show that's (laughs) consistent is... Not really happening. But the problem is they would tell, I mean, we look, we all know this is coming, right? So it's like, this is how they would telegraph it. And we, and Mick Foley has done this a little bit uh, on raw. We've seen this where he's like, okay, next week is going to be Roman reigns in the main event against Seth Rollins. But this week we're going to have Roman going up against Kevin Owens to determine if it's going to be a triple threat at the next pay-per-view. And the week after that, you guys are going to team up in a tag team against two other, you know, I mean, I feel like it's just them telegraphing the same formula that they do in the buildup to these pay-per-views. Um, that would be my only worry about that because I feel like uh, I talked about this with Matt Morgan on our Monday show, uh, I think a week ago, that, you know, this idea that there was this whole thing, um, you know, uh, this this uh, TV tropes idea about 10 or 15 years ago that sitcoms basically have like, what, seven plots. And I feel like the WWE has five five plots and match types and they just sort of recycle through them again and again, you know, for figuring out how they work these storylines. So that's my only fear about them outright saying it is then it really drives home like oh my god they're just doing the same thing again and again (laughs) you know there's like no element of spontaneity at that point um but that being said uh you know i'm excited to see where it goes i thought the the tag the tag team idea last night i mean it's just yeah it's it's like if you had the bingo card that's that's one of them you guys have to team up in a tag before you face at the match you know but again a well, did we, did, we, did we guess did. that uh, James, uh, what's it, L- L- Ellsworth would be the Ellsworth. partner? <laughs> Someone on Reddit did. Someone <laughs> on Reddit called that at the beginning. That that was, uh, you know, and I'm sure he's being facetious at the time because who would have thought that would be the case? Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I that man's career. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, and, and, and we'll talk about it a little later in the show. I'm curious if uh, anything further is going to be happening uh, with him. But, uh, you know, I will say one thing I thought that was really interesting about Cena coming back is there were the rumors and speculation online that Styles got the title over Ambrose because Ambrose was not doing the best job as the champ. And part of me wonders that in this concern about flagging ratings, uh, you know, with uh, the increased competition of the fall season is Cena back in the main event picture now. And it might Cena even get the title. I don't think they will. Andrew, I think you have a good point that that's a mania moment to have him tie Ric Flair's record, but is Cena back in the main event picture now because they're concerned about ratings and they worry that AJ Styles can't carry that on his own. I mean, uh, David, do, do you think that, that that's uh, potentially part of the reason why they're, they're putting Cena right back into the spotlight? Well, it depends. I mean, is he going to be back on house shows? I mean, at least the, you know, most of the house shows, because generally they want the champion to be on all the house shows. So if he's still going to be shooting American Grid and whatever, uh, I don't think they're putting the belt back on him. Yeah. But I think putting him in the picture will get people to tune in. They don't yeah. like he doesn't have to win. 
you know, but having him in For the sure. main event. Um, Andrew, what do you think about that? Do you think Styles could sort of carry the company to, to or at least carry SmackDown to where Ambrose perhaps hasn't been able to? So watching it tonight, uh, this morning, uh, one, being sober and watching it really changes <laughs> your, your kind of your mindset when you're seeing this. But one thing that came to mind was, man, I really hope they didn't drop the title from Dean to him so, just so he could pass it back to Cena. I was, I'm really hoping that AJ gets this title for a while. I, I mean, obviously, he's going to drop it eventually, but he gets a hold on to this a little bit and kind of becomes the workhorse of the SmackDown brand. Uh, because you're right, is Cena doing house shows? That, that's the biggest question here, because you need the champion on house shows. Number two, SmackDown previously, in its previous brand split, n- did not perform great with house shows. So you, you have to think they have to have all hands on deck when you are trying to sell tickets for house shows, if you remove your champion from it, you're kind of dead in the water there, right? So the champion has to be on these house shows. The champion has to be on TV. They're really trying hard uh, to make this not feel like a B brand with a lot of the stuff that they're doing. I don't know. You know, I I think Cena's win to number 16 should be a way bigger thing than than hinting it. We'll see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks if they kind of push this. Um, I don't think this will be the moment for him to win. I, I think it'll, you know, maybe it'll go back to Dean, but I, I, if I were to guess right now, I think Styles retains. Hmm. Yeah. Well, well, but I think for No Mercy, though, definitely it'll it'll make people tune in to see that main event. Um, you know, I mean, really, it's seen as, you know, obviously the biggest thing that SmackDown has as far as uh, generating more interest and in drawing people in short of them clearing Daniel Bryan to return. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so let's uh, move on to the show and talk about, I mean, a match that was blinking. You miss it. A rematch between the Hype Bros and the Usos. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, uh, what do you think about heel Usos? Uh, you in know, this, uh, turn? I, I like the idea that they're kind of playing up as just being like dirt bags. You know, they're just, yeah. they just look, they look oily and greasy and I love it, you know, but they are definitely missing the element of playing a heel. I, I don't think they're used to it. I, I, I Watching them, you know, I, I thought they were, when they first came out in that old black outfit on the pay-per-view, I said, oh, this is cool. And then I saw them work and it's going to take them a while to kind of get the hang of playing up as a bad guy, as a heel, but... Um, I don't know. I was watching them on SmackDown. It was not. It was not good at all. I did not think that they lived up to the potential they could possibly live up to. Well, the thing yeah. is, is that it's such a departure from how they were working as babyfaces. That they're this really dynamic, constantly in motion tag team, and that all of a sudden their ideas of being heels. It seems like it's mostly just slowing down to a crawl and making mean faces yeah. like yeah. they're really not doing well as a heel as a working heel team so far they really need to you know watch tapes of their dad and samu as the simone swat team i mean they they need to be more dynamic and i mean you can't you can be physically impressive and be heels you know what i mean and it seems like they don't get that right now well, outside of Swerved and Total Divas, I don't feel like we really ever see the Usos, you know, oh, and those five-hour energy commercials. I don't feel like we ever see any character <laughs> yeah. from them. I mean, what's their you character? Know? What's their what's their gimmick? Well, they're just they're just they're Samoan. Samoan dudes with that that could kind of jump around, that could kind of be a high flyer, but not really. 
Yeah, well, they're twins. They're twins I mean, they, yeah. there's something in that. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. fraternal twins, and they look roughly. You know, from the side, you really see the resemblance to the Rock. They're the Rock's cousins. You know, that's well, never forget the Olsen that twins of wrestling, though. Because yeah, because they're fraternal twins. Tell that they're twins. Yeah. Um, I mean, and obviously there's a strong heritage, but as we've seen that actually, I would say that being a cousin of the rock, you can really coast on that in the WWE more than you can on the fact that your parents and uncles and everything else did it. I think cousin of the rock is that alone right there. It's like, you just got to show up at that point. Oh, what makes you say that Glenn, is there any, <laughs> is there any particular wrestler perhaps on the raw brand that makes you say I feel that? Like, but no, here's what it is because they talk about, okay, think about the amount of times that you talk about lineage with any wrestler. Right. And I'm telling you that like you'll hear a reference to who somebody's father was or grandfather uh but i think actually i think natalia is probably the main culprit for like talking about her pedigree uh you know where she comes from never Um, brings up her dad (laughs) that's the best part yeah yeah yeah, but if i never watched wrestling i would think that's bret hart's daughter Oh, totally. Totally. Um, but I would say being the rock's cousin, that's number two. So the heart dynasty, number one, the rock's cousin, number two, uh, cause they'll just mention that, you know, Roman gets it the worst, obviously, but Nia Jackson and, and the Usos have, have added a lot. And well, and that's and the best part about that though, is only Nia Jax is actually blood, a blood relative of his. Yeah. Of who the rock? All Samoans are cousins. How about, how about Tamino? The they all say they're cousins. I don't know. No, the Usos. No, the Usos and Rikishi are not blood relatives of The Rock. It's like through marriage. It's like a marriage uh, relative. No, even with them, it's not through marriage. It's not. No, huh. no it's that. Um, it's they. Uh, I don't want to explain the Samoan family tree right now. That you, can you please explain? I want. I want to spend the next forty-five <laughs> minutes explaining the Samoan family tree. <laughs> It's like, well, on one hand, you have Peter Mavia, and then, yeah, it's just down from there. I think we need a flowchart for this. Uh, David, this should be your next in-depth article, explaining the, the Samoan dynasty family tree. I think you could, uh, could really do a good job with that. Uh, so, yes, the Usos are heels. They beat the Hype Bros in a blink-and-you-miss-it match. It was very, very short. Um, uh, I mean, not like uh, Braun Strowman squash short. But short nonetheless. Uh, but let's let's come back for a second and, and, uh, and just talk about, uh, you know, we've talked about the Kurt Hawkins tease that now it seems has been going on and being pushed back. We actually saw him on camera. And what in the hell are they doing with that? So, I mean, we've seen that they've been doing these Chuck Norris facts uh, for Kurt Hawkins for the past month. But then they had him appear. And it's this is uh, this is not serious. I mean, not in the least. This they seem like this is going to be sort of a send up of that. Uh, I mean, uh, David, I know you kind of liked uh, some aspects of the shtick and where it was going, but what did you think about almost? I, I want to say my first comparison was almost Dalton Castle. You know, in terms of doing over the top, uh, going over the top with it. I mean, what did you think about where they're going with Kurt Hawkins? Um, I it was I didn't think the skits played as well this week, especially since they said he was going to debut next week, two weeks in a row. And then I didn't I think the production didn't work as well this time. I liked the like kind of weird uh, what's what's it word? I like the still photo like st- something about it played cooler in the previous weeks, and now when it's just him standing in front of the camera and oh, it is not cool. Faces, it just I did, it didn't work as well for me. Like I liked the presentation before, even though it was such an obvious ripoff of the Chuck Norris thing. Now <laughs> I thought he just kind of goofy. Yeah. I, um, I have a soft spot for Kurt Hawkins cause he's from my neighborhood. So, uh, born and raised in Queens, New York. So I believe he's actually from my a- actual town and I have a-, a bunch of mutual friends. So, but regardless, 
I don't know how I feel about this gimmick. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what it really is at this point. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And what are they going to do? How far does this go? You know, you have this opportunity with Kurt Hawkins. That's a decent worker. Uh, he went to the independence. He kept in great shape, and now they bring him back. They need a body, and they give him this character. Where does it go from here? No. Uh, the the Ruta, I think he'll be uh, maybe teaming, maybe a, maybe his tag stable with Brazongo. You know, uh, at this rate, it seems like they're just kind of going back to that well of like, let's sort of do funny, sort of douchey type character um, that maybe the fans will get behind. Um, But I don't, yeah. One thing I didn't think of till now, a little weird that he's kind of half stealing an injured wrestler's gimmick with the whole Tyson kid and the whole fact thing. Yeah. Yeah, although, I mean, Tyson Kidd's been off for TV for so long. and uh, I don't Yes, think, but yeah. still, it's a little weird. I mean, it's only been, it's been a year, but it's also only been a year, and it feels kind of not right under the circumstances. Yeah, although Tyson Kidd, I mean, to be really honest about it, I mean, do you think there's any chance in hell that Tyson Kidd is coming back? Oh, God, no. Uh, you <laughs> know, I've never, never one with a fused neck in the ring again. Yeah, I... I... I cannot imagine they bring him back as a as a performer at all. And but I, I was actually surprised. I initially saw the reports that he wasn't, and then there were like a couple of reports that he is signing to a performance contract, which I cannot imagine that he would. Um, mm. you know they're so careful with Daniel Bryan right now with and he has clearance. Uh, why would they bring someone back that? had a a almost a, a life-ending injury i mean if it was just a little bit more dangerous it, it he was what he had is not a easy breezy thing to get by no absolutely absolutely well, he can be under a performer contract and not be a wrestler though yeah well uh case it's in point daniel bryan yeah i guess so i guess daniel bryan yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the same it's the same contract um the only exception is if someone's primarily a uh, an announcer then they're on a different contract but someone who is on the shows as a personality but not wrestling is under the same contract as a wrestler. Yeah, technically, I mean, wasn't Christian just under a performance contract until You're right, like, yeah. very, very recently? And he hadn't been right, in the Right, and Daniel Bryan is fulfilling his performance contract by what he's doing now. His contract yeah. is not frozen anymore. Yes, basically, if you are an indentured servant to the McMahon family – you can, I mean, they can just have you show up at their house and like clean stuff. You know, they can put you on TV. They can have you do appearances. Uh, basically, you know, uh, the man says jump and you say how high. So, you know, as soon as Tyson, I'm sure, is able to, to rehab just enough, they'll find some, some work for him, perhaps at the Performance Center or on TV. Does this mean that if I get in a car accident with Vince McMahon, I have to become his butler? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I can see that. I can absolutely see that happening. I would love to um, see that. Yeah, so uh, then we had uh, Baron Corbin versus uh, Apollo Crews um, coming out and just them uh, facing off uh, Corbin destroying Crews before the bell hits. I don't know. I mean, this I didn't care about this matchup at NXT. I don't care about it now. I, I don't know why they're trying to make it happen. Um, but more importantly to that, I mean, so, you know, I'll, I want your thoughts on the segment, but then also Jack Swagger um, coming out saying that he's left Raw and now it's with SmackDown. Um, Andrew, can we that, do that? that do can we do yeah. that? Can we jump shit? I mean, I, I thought they were under contracts to the brand. I, I, I His didn't contract know. Wait, expired. Wait a second. Yeah, I was wondering about this. Jack yeah. Swagger was drafted, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, but his contract, the only his contract was up. Drafted. The only wrestler that was not drafted was Heath Slater, right? Yes. Yeah. So this means that some of the wrestlers in the draft were under two-month contracts? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Right. Like, yeah. how, what kind of contract do you give someone? Uh, how quickly did his contract expire? You know, what kind of clause did he have? What kind of crappy contract did he have that it expired after two months? Well, here's the weirder part, though. Okay, one, it's Jack freaking Swagger. Why why in the hell did they say, like, oh, we need to put him on SmackDown ASAP? Like, SmackDown needs a little boost in Jack Swagger. Uh, but then, two, so Jack Swagger lost to Jinder Mahal in a weird, and we talked about this Monday, in a weird sort of misguided heat, uh, almost... Um, offensive angle on september 12th yeah um so was this uh was this jack swagger putting jinder over as he left raw in in jinder getting that win and now swagger is going to smackdown i mean i think they need to reboot the character do something else because i've i've in fact aside from jinder mahal recently when's the last time jack swagger was relevant uh you know, it's, it's been a while. I think giving him that ultra patriotic against the guy who, you know, looked like he was from one, one of those countries perhaps America has a problem with. Um, I, I mean, I thought that was the whole reason Jack Swagger was back in the raw picture. What's he going to do on SmackDown? Who's who's ethnic looking that they can put Jack Swagger in a xenophobic feud with? On SmackDown? <laughs> this was all very weird. I mean, both nights of it. So I just looked at the calendar. Jack Swagger would have been drafted to the raw brand for exactly eight weeks. Yeah. So theoretically, Jack Swagger had an eight-week contract with Raw that expired. Um, the general – that was just weird too because it was like, okay, he's Indian, and it seems like he's supposed to be Sikh, and I think in real life he's Sikh, but they're sort – the whole we come in peace, it's like they're uh-huh. – he's clearly doing like got Indian guy who went to an ashram seeking enlightenment gimmick, yeah. but like – in a yeah, vague enough gimmick. way to make stupid people think that he's a Muslim. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It seems so deliberate, so deliberately vague that it was fascinating. And then last night with Swagger acting like your drunk uncle <laughs> in that promo. I mean, this was very bizarre. Uh, you know what was bizarre about it? He came out and he cut this promo and he goes, I'm not the same Jack Swagger. I'm not the same person. People are going to find out who I really am. And then he did the We the People gimmick at the end. Like, I thought it was going to be – I thought he was just going to be like a, like an overgrown Bart Simpson with his hat backwards, you know? Like, like that would have yeah. been awesome. Like, I, I would have – I actually was looking forward to him doing something different, you know? Why not? Why not drop the whole We the People thing, start him fresh, make him into like a beat-up guy. Like, he's just like a bully. He just comes around and he picks on people in the locker room, all the all – the, uh, all the – the preliminary guys, he just beats them up. Yeah, I mean, but we the people is the most over thing about Jack Swagger. Is like, it? that's the only thing that, that I mean, think yeah. about it, because he comes out there all the time, and people are just like, huh, who, what? And then he hits we the people, and everyone's shouting along with it. He puts his hand on his chest, you know, and, and at least it gets a decent pop every time. I mean, now I only know this because most weeks I watch main event and superstars, and that's where Jack Swagger has lived uh, on occasion in, in the recent months. But even on Raw, he got a reaction to that, you know? I mean, it's... uh uh, so you take away we the people, and what does he have? You know, at this point, last time he was trying to make you don't know Jack a thing, and it's just going, yeah. oh man, yeah, I don't know, I'm not really optimistic about uh, where that goes. But uh, you know, granted, well, again, you know, yeah. if they brought in, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. What's the name of the announcer from You Don't Know Jack? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I know who you're talking right, about. What's his name? Um, the, at least the, the gimmick name he uses. If he became Jack Swagger's manager, like his disembodied manager, sure. I, could, I, could, I, could, I could see something in that. Somebody call Jellysoft. Get them on the phone. Make that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, we uh, went from that segment to then uh, the women's segment, uh, which I found delightful. Um, so with the women's segment, we had uh, Becky Lynch out in the ring being interviewed as champion. Now in Philly, we should note, yes, the show was in Philly last night. Tons of ECW chants, really lively crowd. And I have to say it was really heartening to see that with Becky, she was getting the You Deserve It. The women's segment, I think, was very well received. Um, I mean, we saw... We, we've seen some some women's segments uh, go poorly depending on the venue they were in. I mean, Maurice last night um, during you know the uh, the segment with uh, Dolph and the Miz, which we skipped over. We'll get back to in a segment. I mean, Maurice was getting a lot of the what chance uh, and uh, whatnot. But uh, we did have after Becky's interview the match to crown the number one contender in a fatal five way. Um, one interesting note, and I want to see what you guys uh, think about this. Morrow in in that segment, one, calling out Naomi as the Nicki Minaj of SmackDown, and then two, fully just calling it out with uh, Alexa Bliss as the Harley Quinn. When when you're ripping off a gimmick, don't call attention to it. Is Nikki Nikki Bella the John Cena of the women's division? I mean, (laughs) it's just like, don't. They never said with Razor Ramon, like, the scar face of Monday Night Raw. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, staying that the crow of WCW. Like, <laughs> don't call attention to it, man. Like, you're, that's how the WWE works. Like, we rip these things off and I never mention where we got it from. Um, even Becky Lynch. Uh, if you watch Mad Max Fury Road, look at the redhead in the steampunk goggles in there. And what noticed that around the time that came out, that's when Becky debuted that new look. Don't call attention to it. The WWE and professional wrestling has a rich history of ripping off popular culture. We don't need to mention it. You know what what I found amazing? Um, I have no idea how Naomi is uh, having a match after her entrance. Yeah. I mean, she was was gassed going into that ring. I mean, she was sucking wind after her, her performance piece that she put together. And then I noticed, you know, every single one of the women have this ridiculous pose that they do. I mean, I, I never realized it as much as last night because they all came out on the road. It's like 10 of them just being pushed out there. But they all have like a dance and a shuffle. And it, I it, like I was thinking, I'm like, why? Natty was the only one. But Natty is so awkward coming out. Like she's a heel, but she's smiling and she's laughing as she's walking out. I was like, why can't you just come out? Why can't you just be like, all right, I'm just coming out to beat you up. Everybody has a dance. Okay, wait, let's tally this for a second. Nikki has the thing where she undoes her first layer. But she also thing. does, like, the butt twist. And the pointing thing, and the pointing thing, too. Yeah. Or no, that was, no, Brie did the pointing thing. Yeah, Brie right? does the point. Nikki yeah. does, like, but the gyration example. and then the twist showing her butt. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, Naomi has her thing. Becky has the kind of slide into the ring and pose thing. Um, does Alexa Billis have anything yet? Uh, what did Alexa do? I can't. Uh, she does, and I know this because I I did this uh, when I was on the ramp at the house show. Uh, she'll only do this if someone tries to do it. Uh, go if you ever ever on the ramp. Go like you're excited to see Alexa and give her a high five. She does the the fake out thing where she acts really excited for a second and does the like brush off as if. 
um, but that's but not a yeah, yeah, yeah. But only when people set it up, I've seen her, seen her do that. But that's her kind of her shtick. She just sort of walks out and does the you know hand up. No, I'm better than you thing. I, I think Naomi's gimmick is that she's the halftime show for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, that that's really what it is. Yeah, um, but uh, I, I think you know the entrances. I don't know Naomi's entrance. I think you know it was a great way to to repackage her and get her over. Seems like live crowds are into her. Yeah. Did I freeze? You guys are frozen on no. my end. Let me. Uh... I can hear you. Yeah. Uh, hey, is guys. Our picture not I got to hop out a second. David, could you take over? I'll be right back. I guess so. so Andrew. Um, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier when I was giving my thoughts on the whole show. But, I mean, this match was good, but... Uh, after, I mean, we had talked about this in the past couple of weeks when you weren't here that women together felt like something you should only do leading up to setting up the first champion because otherwise it kind of exposes how few people there are on the roster. I mean, it's the entire roster. I mean, it's the entire women's roster in that ring, yeah. and you realize that there's only six of them. Um, was there a, like, the winner got what out of this? What, did they become the number one contender? I, yes. I, I had it on mute. Okay, so that made sense. Um, I, you know, it's interesting because the, when you look at this roster of women, would you say that it's better than the raw roster? I think you can make the argument that in terms of depth of who the champion can have a match with it is. Yes. Yeah. It, I, I, I find it interesting because I was really concerned over the SmackDown roster compared to the raw roster, but a lot of these girls have stepped it up, and, and I'm actually a little impressed. The only one I'm really not impressed is uh, with, um, uh, what's her name? God. Uh, Carmella. Carmella, yeah. Uh, she's, she, she is a great example of being brought up a little too early. She, she should have just stayed down in NXT, and obviously they brought her because they need to fill bodies and they needed another person at the Vision. Um, I'm not too crazy about these like six-person matches. Uh, it, it takes away from it, but... Also, if you look at it, some of, the, some of these girls are a little green, and you're protecting them, right? If they really don't have to do much in a corner of a ring. Yeah. So here's the, at least, here's what Wikipedia has as the Raw Women's roster. Alicia Fox, Bailey, Charlotte, Dana Brooke, Nia Jax, Paige, Sasha Banks, Summer Rae. So theoretically, there are two more women on Raw than on SmackDown, but, but so pa- far, Paige is in there, all right? of the SmackDown women have been on the main show. I mean, she's technically there, and she may apparently is coming back soon. But I mean, most of these people are not usually on the main Raw show, though, or either not wrestling. It's it's they're really yeah. only using about half the roster, a little bit more, depending on whether or not Nia Jax is on the show that week. Yeah. Well, Nia Nia is interesting because she's kept off that whole. They seem to be on on SmackDown doing a whole different way of telling the story, where everybody's involved in the main event picture, everybody's involved in the title picture because. They were all fighting. They were all in that tournament. On Raw, it's a little different. You have the three people on the top. You have Bailey, you have Sasha Banks, and you have Charlotte, and Dana Brooke kind of there. Uh, and, and then everybody else is doing their own thing. I can also see the argument that it's better to do it the way you're doing it on SmackDown because one of the complaints with the women's divisions talking about decades and decades was that you would have the champion and the challenger, and that's it. Yeah. Do you think that's the way so to do I, it? I can see. And I think that's the big argument in favor of doing it the way that SmackDown's doing it, is that this is the opposite of that. 
Yeah, and they seem to be doing that in on Raw also, right? With the men's title. If you look at the title picture, you have Roman Reigns, you have uh, Seth Rollins, you have uh, Kevin Owens, and then whoever else shows up. So it, it's there's a mix that everyone's in. Yeah, it's it's a mix. It's not it's not like the two people and then the two people going for number one contendership. It, it's kind of like all blended in, um, and. I kind of like that for the men's of it. Like, I, I'm not against it if done well. And we're kind of seeing that on SmackDown as well, where you have, you know, it's going to be a, a, a triple threat match for the title, which uh, we'll, we'll talk about. But it, it's the traditional way to do this is kind of out the window. I don't know if they're doing it just to see if something works to change it up or if, uh, I don't know, they're just out of ideas. I, I don't know what, what the direction is. I think it works better for the SmackDown women's division than it works for the world for the universal title on raw because on SmackDown, you're kind of, there are a lot of people that you're trying to outright establish their new or reestablish. Whereas on raw, it feels kind of crowded in the whole. It's no one's more important than anyone else is anyone important type of way. Yeah. Well, SmackDown has done a very good job uh, telling, you know, kind of establishing people. You look at someone like the Miz which I had very little interest in. Obviously, you know, he's a great talker and he's an okay worker, but nobody was really interested in The Miz. But they've over the last couple weeks and months, they've told a story about this guy pushing through and pushing through. The Daniel Bryan thing has kind of reignited him to a lot of people. Um, and he's kind of pushing himself in this main event picture without being in the main event, which I think it's pretty cool. You need to establish stars. Listen, when you have a roster that is so limited, with the amount of people that that's on it, you know, SmackDown is suffering way more from the body count than Raw is. So you have to establish these people, and I feel like SmackDown has been forced into making more stars, while Raw is kind of all over the place. You know, you look at a guy like Sami Zayn. Uh, since this brand split, he really hasn't done much. And they put him back with, you know, Owens after saying they'd never wrestle again. Yeah, so, so they just I, I don't know. I, I it seems like, yeah, SmackDown is doing a better job of keeping everyone that's there busy. Whereas Raw seems like they have a lot of people that even though they have more hours to fill, that they it seems like they have much more many more people that they don't know what to do with. Well, is is the conversation I mean, does this have to do I, I'm not too familiar with the writing staff on both, but it's a split writing staff, right? You got Raw writers and SmackDown writers now. Yeah, I mean, I believe as far as, you know, Vince and Triple H, they're still on, you know. In on both, both, yeah. In, ter in terms of the actual, you know, rank and file writing staff, yes. Okay, so I, I'm curious to see because um, I know that the NXT writer, the head writer that was at NXT is now on SmackDown. Um, sure, and yeah. we're starting to see some of those elements come in with, you know, they're telling the story for No Mercy. You know, they, they started this already and they built it up. They, now they're pushing No Mercy and you got... You know, immediately you know what the outcome, what the match is. And it's rare to see that happen so quickly. And they kind of did it on Raw, too. But I feel like the SmackDown version of telling that story was a little bit better. There's more elements in it. Yes. Although I am a little bit worried that the, the two pay-per-views a month, both being advertised at the same time, is going to make it hard for some fans to keep track. Oh, it, it's it's already difficult. I get the emails all the time to our show where I get people that have been watching you know they watch raw and they watch the pay-per-views and they watch some of nxc and they try to follow up as much as they can but i'm getting the emails constantly and the tweets constantly saying i have fatigue i can't watch 
a pay-per-view on Sunday, Raw on Monday, SmackDown on Tuesday, NXT on Wednesday, the Cruiserweight Classic, then TNA if you're watching TNA. It's overwhelming to an extent. It's a lot. Yeah, I mean, imagine then if you want to imagine if you want to watch all of the televised shows and Lucha Underground's back too. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. On top of all that. Yeah. And so then imagine you also want to throw in. Uh, so we right we have TNA on Thursday. Matt, what maybe you're someone who wants to watch the live stream of the CML cards at Arena Mexico every Friday. Yeah, or New Japan. New Japan's back too. They were there. You know, they're They were back on schedule. So access and access also. You know, yes. Yeah. So it's a lot of wrestling. Something every I mean, we're at the point where if you want to keep track of the major promotions, there is something on almost every single night. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little Original much. Original wrestling content every single. Night. But here's the fascinating thing. I mean, twelve years ago, right? I'm switching shots now. Like like I'm doing the show. It's 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 a force of bad habit. I'm switching here locally. Um, if you look at, uh, it, like twelve years ago, we had. Very little options. We didn't have as much available to us. And, you know, after WCW folded, people were worried. They said, you know, there's not a lot of wrestling. There's no room for wrestling on TV. Now we have wrestling every single day. And if you don't want to watch it on TV, guess what? You go online, you can watch PWG, or you can watch Evolve, or any of these uh, promotions. It's amazing. Well, it's weird that it's almost, for me, it feels a lot of the times like, oh, we're in, like, this dream scenario that we had when I was trading tapes and DVDs, yeah. and now it feels like it's sensory overload. Well, now it's a chore, right? Especially if you're, if you're writing about this and you're discussing, and, you know, it's become a job to just watch wrestling. I, I have a difficult time just on Monday staying up till 11.05 or 11.10, whatever time it ends, to finish Raw. So between the pay-per-views and that, it, it becomes a chore. And you're right, a sensory overload. There's a lot happening, and... You know, 15 years ago, uh, a teenage version of me would have would have uh, gone crazy at the idea of wrestling every day. Oh, and I forgot CMLL from Arena, Arena Puebla every Monday. Every Monday, yeah. So interesting. Where were we? Uh, we did. We discussed the we women's were, match. Uh, do you have? I, I, I don't we have. Were transitioning to Miz. And yes, we had skipped over that, and we just kind of got lost. Um, I mean, I'll ask you this. It seems like they changed course on the Daniel Bryan thing to get him back into the picture. Yeah. Um, they, Are they – I just don't see them doing – I just don't see them letting him wrestle, but they're clear, they, clear, they clearly changed their feelings on this to some degree between last Tuesday and the pay-per-view. Oh, something has definitely changed. Thing, and Vince is that Vince hates it to a match that's never going to happen well i mean this this kind of now they're clearly building to a match yeah this kind of started like um the austin paul Heyman podcast you know where he kind of hinted at a brock lesnar thing with no with nothing you know in sight that was not going to happen so i think what i mean this is getting weird because it happened it got a lot of attention they put the kibosh on this whole thing they they didn't you know they 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 just stopped it they kind of hinted at it and that was it it was over and then now they're they're going back to it and they're going back to it and I thought it was interesting on SmackDown how Daniel Bryan came in the ring and the Miz ran out so they I mean if I never if I didn't read anything about you know how serious his injury is and I'm just a casual watch uh, viewer of SmackDown and, and wrestling in general. I honestly think they're building up to a match. I would look at this and say, oh, Daniel Bryan's coming back. You know what it reminds me of? 
uh, wrestling has a way of speaking in certain codes to the viewer. Like, the famous example is when WCW and WWF were going back and forth in court suing each other, and eventually Eric Bischoff had the idea where he challenged Vince McMahon to a match on a WCW pay-per-view. To court over it, Jerry McDevitt, their lawyer, says, in wrestling, fans know I think something isn't going to happen because eventually after the threats, he was like, no, this isn't going to happen. Heel, he was like, people, wrestling fans know that if the bad guy's saying something's not going to happen, he's really saying that it is. Yeah. And then you have other things like a baby face. If he promises something, it's going to happen because you Ex- don't want the baby face reneging on your promise. Well, uh, unless it's, and, it's, a, it's a British bulldog promising that he's going to win to a dying uh, child. To a sick well, child. Well, that's Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah. But when the, you know, the second year in a row that Daniel Bryan didn't win the Royal Rumble when everyone wanted him to, he had vowed to win and gave this amazing baby face promo. I I can never figure out if they were just trying to tease and mess with people or if they genuinely didn't realize what they were doing. You know what? Sometimes I wonder that, but they're a lot smarter than we think. But now that that they've gone back and forth makes you think they have to be conscious of what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, the fact that when he got when he left, I mean, when Daniel Bryan got thrown out at that rumble, the next person out was Goldust, and it said Shattered Dreams right on the screen in that shot. I mean, that that was... That is way too perfect for it not to not to be you know <laughs> planned. I, I don't know. You know, this is an interesting thing because he just did another interview where, um, I think it was with uh the something. It's some newspaper in Philadelphia, and he's talking about this, and he and he's hinting that he's fine and he could return. You know, he has many doctors that told him up until recently that he could return, and um, it's never a no. It's never this. Absolutely not. You know, Edge was absolutely not, I'm not returning. Steve Austin was a no. Edge was a no. When you have these injuries, a lot of these guys come out and say, no, I'm not returning. I think the problem with Brian is he's not willing to give up. I, I, he, I, I genuinely feel that he thinks that he has a lot more to give, and he probably does. But does the WWE want to take the risk, and does he really want to take this risk? And also, if they had decided, oh, we won't, we'll do the Bret Hart thing for him where no one really does anything to him. He doesn't take any bumps. He just beats up the Miz or whoever. Do they trust him to just go along with that? Yeah, do they if trust they him were to, to do put that? Him in the ring in a wrestling match? Yeah, because Bret Hart's was really, I mean, Bret Hart had a serious, serious injury. I mean, and he's very well aware that he can't do any of this, and nor does he want to take the risk. The other thing about him is that he has an insurance policy paying him out where he cannot take those bumps. His a Lloyd's of London policy. Negotiate with uh, that's actually what led to it going that way, though, was they had to negotiate with Lloyd's of London. Yeah, yeah, they, because he has a very high-paying um, Lloyd's of London policy, and a lot of the, the Lloyd's of London learned the you know the hard way when all those '80s and early '90s guys took a Lloyd's of London policy for hurting a disc, and when the policy ran out, they all came back to big contracts. So they are right, they thought Bret Hart was faking when he first came to them he talks about yeah. this in his book yeah because because of what happened because of you know the Kurt Hennings and everybody else that took out a Lloyd's of London policy Rick Rude uh Rick Rude uh one of the one of the LOD I can't remember which one maybe it was Animal Animal, uh, Animal claims that it was for a limited time while he was recovering never abused it I mean he he's the only one that I, I know of that's actually specifics of it yeah so i don't know i i i like i like the story with the miz and him 
if it I, I just don't know where it'll go. I, I have no idea. If it's going somewhere, it's a great story. If it's not <laughs> going anywhere, then they're getting people's hopes up. Yeah. I mean that that's that's quite possibly what the end result would be, and it's gonna be nothing. Or Daniel Bryan has a, a proxy that fights for him. I could see them doing that, and I have no idea what they would do beyond that. Well, I was going to say, it's, so far, that's been Dolph Ziggler, and I, it feels like people don't buy into Dolph Ziggler as his proxy. Yeah. The way they would if he had brought in someone new like a Samoa Joe or an Austin Aries or whoever. Yeah. So, you know, we'll keep our eye on this. Clearly, something's happening. We just don't know what as of yet. Um did we talk about Baron Corbin and Apollo Crews? Do we really need to? That was a quick match. <laughs> I wonder yeah, that end. That was I mean, that was really quick. I, I don't think we mentioned it, but we do re- there's really not much to talk about. Heath Slater's official contract signing, and then uh, Slater and Rhino against the Ascension. Um, well, the Ascension was on SmackDown, or we're on SmackDown. Would you, would you? Yeah, are they singular or they're plural? Are they? I don't know. Is is it? That's what I'm saying. Is it the yeah. Ascension is or the Ascension are? The Ascension are. Ascension are. I mean, they they are a team, a team, but they are a team. So is the Ascension? A, uh, never mind. Nobody knows so, what they are. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, when when it devolves into <laughs> grammar. Sorry. Uh, what did you guys think about with Heath? So they they keep like kicking up the levels of white trash, like each week with the hillbilly angle. I mean, they're going full on now. What do you, what do you guys think about that? I love the shirt. No, the shirt's the great. The shirt was great, yeah. I, I, but he he's laying it on a little too thick now. Yeah. Well, subtlety has never been what the WWE has been known for. No, at least he's not square dancing and wearing overalls and carrying a pig to the ring, and he doesn't have various uncles and cousins named Elmer or Junior or <laughs> anything like that or... There's no slop bucket. There's no Vince McMahon doing commentary going, ha, ha, And Glenn's gone again. Glenn's having a lot of problems. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible internet in that Silicon Valley place. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> of all places. Um, I, you know, it's interesting about Heath because they've, they've, they've kind of built this whole thing around him, but what happens when they remove him from Rhino? Does he, where do they, what, are they, what, what can you see them doing with him? I don't know, and also it felt like they had to put the Ascension in there just because they don't really, by process of elimination, they don't have anyone else that really was in that spot, but when they come out, it's like, oh, no, it's the Ascension. I feel so bad for them because... Almost becoming that, they're beca- the, like, I hate to use the X-Pac example, because okay. I do think it's kind of overstated. But it does seem like they're kind of becoming those guys who come out and you groan. Yeah. Because they're not good. It's amazing because they had... X-Pac was good, but he was the guy who got that reaction sometimes. So people groaning as opposed to booing. Yeah, these guys had such a, a I guess, buildup for, for them to show up. And they really pushed them to show up. And that these big guys and they're monsters. And it's a throwback to the old, you know, like the LOD days and the demolition days. But the second they debuted, they destroyed them on commentary. I mean, there was no hope in sight that these guys would be a legitimate uh, tag team, a, a, a wrecking force. Uh, th- there was no hope for them on, on the main roster. And now they've, they've become exactly what you're saying, where people groan when they see them come out. 
I'm trying to think about whether or not it would have been better with their NXT gimmick. It probably would have been a little bit. In the end, I don't think it would have mattered that much. They they would have had a better start, but they still probably wouldn't have had much of a shelf life because they aren't very good. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, they're not they're not very good at all. Um, and this is you know what like the third incarnation of the tag team. Originally, they were vampires. Oh, and- oh well. There are multi- there were different incarnations as far as different partners too. Yeah, yeah. There's been different versions and different partners, and uh, I'm surprised. Like, it, I I feel like someone really high up came up with the name, and they really loved it, so they stuck with it. And like, no, we're just gonna keep trying this. We're just gonna push through, and this is gonna we're gonna. I don't care. I don't care that it sucks. I don't care that it's terrible. We're just the name is too good, and the music is too good. They only came off of stars in the first place because they had the really cool entrance with the lights and they had the videos they did with the green screen. They came out really good with them on top of the buildings. It's almost like they were like trying to set up the bat signal or something. You know what I mean? With the, yeah. It, those, those were cool and it made them seem kind of cool even if they weren't really good or doing anything appealing. Yeah. But now it, they're it, just there and Rhino and Heath, they did it, but just there the titles to the Usos who will then feud with the uh, American Alpha as the chase. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I that tag division is a little messy right now on SmackDown and um I don't know I don't know who's gonna really push through and I don't I don't know what they what the future is of those two guys of uh Heath and Rhino as a tag team. I mean it's entertaining. He's getting over. People are really into it. Yeah. When's the last time people, you know, you went on Squared Circle or, or you know, uh, the Wrestling uh, website and you saw all these comments about Heath Slater? Heath Slater's a really underrated, maybe not as much now that people are on him, but, I mean, he's a really good performer. Yeah. And I honestly think he might actually be better off as a prelim singles just because I don't think you can do the mismatch partners thing that long. Yeah. As much as you could with him as in kind of the, you know, opener kind of. Uh... So, I, I mean, yes, I guess. But moving on, uh, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt stuff happened. Eric Rowan's back. Um, AO without really taking any other bumps. So whatever's going on with him and his concussion still very strange i'm really not sure what to think about that oh about the concussion apparently the story yeah you know with dave Meltzer's reporting it said he has had a concussion coming out of the lesnar match which shouldn't really surprise anyone but that they're letting him do rko like i could see him coming out and throwing punches but normally if he's not actually clear to wrestle the rko is not something you should be doing yeah uh by the way i think glenn is back too hey glenn yeah, I am. I'm audio only. Sorry, okay. guys. Uh, is this a bandwidth issue, or is it your camera that's not working? No, nah, I'm just yeah, having a little bandwidth issue here, but it should be fine. Okay. So we were touching yeah. on the Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton segment. Uh, you know, at least they get another month out of this, right? Because they didn't get to wrestle. <laughs> so that, that's oh, a positive yeah. here. Wonderful. Yeah, they they Wonderful. they get a free month. They never they never they never had the match, so it's new to us for the next pay per view. Uh. Maybe they should make just a special exception and put them on Clash of Champions just so it can happen two weeks earlier and we don't have to get... <laughs> we don't have to sit, sit with it. This 
Yeah, something. No, uh, I, th- I feel like with this, I still don't get what the storyline is. I don't get what the angle is. I mean, I get Bray is trying to shed light or truth or I don't know. He's like a weird, you know, I almost want to say like twisted life coach is maybe his angle at this point. Like, I want to show you the way or something. I don't know. Now that the thing is Bob Backlund. Yes, he's the Bob Backlund of SmackDown. Um, but I don't know. I just don't feel like they're really – like, I just don't get it. I mean, with the New Day, I got that the New Day, like, irked uh, Bray or, you know, interrupted him or made fun of him or whatever. I mean, God knows we've had feuds over less. But in this one, I just I just don't understand. I mean, I get that they can put on a good match because I've seen them put on, you know, a good match at, at house shows. But, uh, yeah, I just I just don't know why, why this angle is going to drag out when the storyline part is the least interesting. I mean, I, let him wrestle already. I do like how Bray's morphed into Rick Rubin at this point. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a guy that's not even 30 look so old. Yeah, know? it's amazing. Hey, Glenn, while you're reporting live via satellite phone from our Baghdad Bureau, would you maybe like to give the listeners a message from our sponsors? Yeah, I want to remind everyone, check out DDP Yoga if you haven't yet, uh, or even if you have and uh, you want to get a great deal on it, we've got one for you. Um, specifically, DDP Yoga Now, and they're awesome awesome max packs uh you know ddp yoga is used by the likes of chris jericho uh gold dust mick foley look how great mick foley looks these days all due to ddp yoga and now with the ddp yoga now app you can take it anywhere with you uh, on your iphone your android device you're gonna get motivational messages from ddp himself every monday he's got a cooking show where he tells you how to make healthy food taste amazing and ddp yoga now the app also works with um bluetooth heart rate monitors you can count your calories you can track pain management it's got everything you need all in one and we have a special deal we want you to get the D- uh, ddp yoga now uh, pardon me, the DDP Yoga DVDs and three months free access to the DDP Yoga Now app when you sign up at our link, DDP Yoga Now slash Wrestling Inc. You're going to save 15% off and again get three months free access to the DDP Yoga Now app and all of its premium features. Uh, go to DDP Yoga Now slash Wrestling Inc. and we thank them for sponsoring the show. I really oh. wish we had like a map graphic that had a pin in it, like in San Francisco, with the picture of you next to it as you were doing that, and as we're doing this for the rest of the show with you, audio only. It just yeah. seems like it would fit. No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, our audio listeners, uh, you know, they to them it seems completely transparent and the same. Um, so I'm sure you guys uh, went over uh, the rest of the episode. You made it up to Randy and Bray. Um, what did you think about the main event and AJ's uh, – search for a tag partner and how that all turned out. Now, of course, AJ uh, asked Baron Corbin. He asked the Demon King, trying to find a, a partner to dance with him. Everyone was saying no. Finally, Daniel Bryan says, oh, we have the partner for you. And that is James Ellsworth, uh, fresh off his squash match with Braun Strowman on Raw about a month ago. Uh, what did you think about that gimmick and that choice and then how it worked out with The Miz attacking him and ultimately teaming with AJ? Uh, David, to you first. I think you cut out when you said whichever of us you were throwing. <laughs> oh, David, uh, to you first, David. Sorry. Um, I thought it was cute. Um, I'm still not sure exactly what they're doing as far as that they 
like, do they have a plan in the way that they keep invoking these job guys into stuff? Like, the weirdest was on Sunday at the pay-per-view where they had these two nameless, shirtless guys in wrestling gear just standing backstage with 20 yeah. minutes left in the show. I did not understand that at all. Like, there, like, so the idea is now that, I mean, we know that the locker room, you know, is there and the roster is there, but the idea that they're just random wrestlers backstage at a WWE event in case they need someone. Yeah, is this like a meta thing about the concept of extras at a WWE show and a lot of the time they're not actually used? If, if it is, that's a really inside joke, like even by wrestling standards. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Andrew, what did you think about them bringing Ellsworth back? Uh, I, I, listen, I, that poor guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, you know what? He's living his dream and he's he was almost at a main event. Uh, I, listen, I think it's funny. Uh, I think it's really funny. Uh, the star of that segment, of course, to me, again, was The Miz. I really am enjoying what they're doing with him. I don't want to see him as world champion, but uh, I do think it's it's helping, uh, you know, the cause. I think it's helping his character that they give him so much time. But uh, it's interesting, like, you guys brought up those uh, preliminary guys. Do you, like, I imagine that there's a holding room with just a bunch of no-names. And they're all, like, in this holding room, and then they're like, okay, you, 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 come out. And they're all in their ring gear. They just wait to be called for something. Yeah. Well, I think the extras do have their own locker room. They're not dressing dressing with the name wrestlers. No, but I imagine it's like 20 of them, and they randomly just pick them. No, I think that's the the roster, Andrew. I think that's the SmackDown roster. The back there is just sitting there, like, at the start of the show. Like, you, you, and you go out there and have a match. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the Miz, I mean, uh, you know, was, was the star of backlash personally on Sunday. I know everyone was stoked about, you know, uh, AJ getting the title, but I thought the Miz and Ziggler put on an amazing match. I thought storyline, it made so much sense. Uh, loved that the Miz adopting a completely different style of wrestling. Um, and yeah, so seeing the Miz last night, like I'm, I'm you know, I know he's not going to be in the main event title picture, but I don't know. I mean. I think the Miz is is having the best run that he's had in quite some time right now. Oh, I can't think of a, I can't think of a better run. Uh, really, I know when he had the I, you know he had the title obviously, but as far as a overall character, he's he's really uh, very comfortable in the role he's playing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what did you think of the, the tag match itself, Andrew? It was fine. It was okay. Nothing crazy. Nothing. Uh, you know, it, it was just a a SmackDown uh, tag main event. <laughs> Damn, you, to you, David. Um, it definitely was a SmackDown tag team main event. I don't know what it is. One thing, I mean, the, the, you know, the match was fine. It wasn't anything too notable. I don't know what it is. There's something about SmackDown that a lot of the time, I don't think they've done enough to make it as super obvious that it's live. Like, I don't know if it's that they kept kind of the same lighting scheme they had before. Just something. Something about it, like, I don't know if they need to change the way they produce the announcers and how they sound. It still kind of sounds like a show that's more heavily produced than Raw and looks. I mean, am I alone in that, that it seems a little more canned than Raw, even though it's still, even though it's live now? Well, it's tighter, you know, so it has to be, I think, more planned. I, th- I feel that it's is just... Is it just that we're used to... Sm- is it just that we're used to SmackDown being taped and heavily produced, so enough of it is the same as before, so it just still feels that way to me i i feel like they miss a lot more things than the raw uh than the raw show because um as 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 a you know someone that's into video 
since they incorporated that jib shot, they are missing a lot of spots, and a lot of spots do not look good. Uh, so I, I feel like the the overall presentation may be looking a little a uh, little more produced, but I, I do feel like they're missing a lot of things with the cuts and with the with the camera jumps. They they still have to get the hang of using this new shot and incorporating these angled views into the ring. The thing I've noticed, which I guess is the one that makes it obvious that it's live, although it's not something that should be there, either the wrestlers and other performers that are doing the backstage segments are not used to doing the backstage segments live, or they're doing more backstage segments live than they were before, on, uh, than they were on Raw, or than they are on Raw because it seems like there are a lot more mistakes in the Raw, uh, in the SmackDown backstage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot happening, and and I, I think it's gotten better uh, over the last two months since since they went live. But uh, it, it is quite noticeable that they stumble on those backstage segments. And it never happens on Raw, but that makes me wonder: is it because is it that the Raw ones are actually taped earlier in the day, or is it that? Um, or is it just that the people who are doing it on SmackDown are not used to doing it live yeah, and had been doing it taped? No, that's interesting. I, I'm, I don't even know. I, I always assumed that a lot of those backstage segments were pre-recorded, but maybe on SmackDown they're not. Yeah, I'm not really sure. And I, I, th- I thought it was strange when I first noticed them stumbling over words and stuff because I was thinking in my head, why are, th- why are they doing backstage segments live? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, this thing, when you have the benefit of taping it, you should. I mean, I think, yeah, although, same question, though, to NXT. I mean, with NXT, you look at some of those promos that are so rough, and I just can't help but think, like, you guys had a chance to do multiple takes of this. Why did you choose this take? You know, um, I, I, mean, I don't feel the WWE fully takes advantage of being able to pre-produce stuff as much as possible. Well, they usually do. That's the thing. Well, but not with promos, though. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think the idea is that maybe there's a mentality of like, ah, we got a good take. Let's move on. It's like, oh, no, no, I could do it better. No, we're fine. I think we'll just go with what we have. You know, it's like this idea, like like uh, Vincent K. McMahon said, you know, like time is money, people. Like, let's let's we got to knock these things out. You know, uh, I think a lot of times like doing doing an extra take or two, choosing between the best one could certainly be beneficial. So you're saying SmackDown is becoming an Edward production. Oh, well, you know, uh, on a bad week. But I don't think they've really had a bad week yet, you know? And, I mean, I thought Raw this week was better than some Raws have been. But, you know, uh, packed between a SmackDown pay-per-view and then last night's episode of SmackDown Live, I think, you know, that really put Raw to disadvantage this week. And, uh, you know, someone on Reddit, uh, there's, a, there's a thread on there, and I have to say uh, I, I agree with this. I didn't realize it until they, they posted this. But SmackDown, in a way, their shallow roster, I think um, – makes it work better because you see the same people on TV each week, the same characters, and they're, they're given more of a framework. Um, it's, you know, they can do more with that by just sort of admitting like, Hey, this is who we have and this is who we're using and who we're going with. Whereas with raw, it seems like there's so many people, but there's only so many highlights of that really deep roster. And they, they're almost more forced to, to keep relying on the same people with SmackDown. I like that. They're trying to almost find ways to incorporate, um, the roster, you know, I, f- I feel like uh, SmackDown's a more cohesive um, TV show, you know, about a wrestling company. 
SmackDown does not have any weight. Why is Jack Swagger here all of a sudden after not being on TV for weeks, moments, like we had on Raw Monday, except for when, you know, I, which I know sounds like a bad example because he ended up on SmackDown, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I like it. You know what was funny is I watched Talking Smack last night. I don't know if you guys checked it out on the WWE Network, but it was, it was probably the weakest Talking Smack yet because the guests were Baron Corbin and Alexa Bliss. And it's no offense to either of them, but I think um, you can tell that with some of these NXT call-ups that they're not as comfortable improvising in character. You know, and doing a shoot interview in character. Um, Corbin was really repetitive and really just wooden. It, you know, they went on way too long. Alexa Bliss was a lot better, but even then, um, you know, it's like they say in improv, everything is yes and, or not only that, but. And I felt like Renee and Daniel Bryan were giving her a lot of opportunities to riff, and Alexa just kind of said the worst thing you could say when improvising, which is no. You know, we're just sort of like cutting stuff short or giving simple one word answers. Um, but I will say that what was interesting about that episode and, and Bliss did have some really good moments in it and some really funny moments uh, talking about her height. You know, Daniel Bryan saying like, uh, oh, so you're, you're like me. And she was like, oh, I'm nothing like you. You know, there's there some really good moments there. But one thing that was really interesting is Daniel Bryan had to keep specifying that with James Ellsworth, that even though this was a SmackDown debut, that he is not under contract. But it was, it was he's kind of he was uh, straddling a fine line between saying like, oh, we might see Ellsworth again on SmackDown. But at the same time, no, he's not a member of the roster now, which I thought was a really interesting angle. I, I hope we see him. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? I like that they did that, even if he's not coming back, because it gives credibility to the Slater angle that you're going to have wrestlers on the show who do not have contracts. Yeah. Well, and it makes it, you know, I, I know I made this prediction when the brand split happened that SmackDown, you know, had a chance to be uh, sort of the, the smarkier internet wrestling community show, even though it doesn't have a lot of, the, you know, I mean, AJ aside even though that's not what the roster speaks to. And I think they're doing that. They're not doing that necessarily with the roster, but they're doing that by giving us more of these made up moments, giving us more of these inside jokes. Um, I think they're really catering to that, to the hardcore fans. Whereas raw has the, the, the weight of having to be the mainstream, the big, you know, the bigger show that's going to do North of 3 million each week. I think SmackDown can do more fan service. And I really, really like that. I'm curious to see what the SmackDown ratings are and if they possibly beat Raw this week. Yeah, it happened one week, didn't it? In the, in the new era, wasn't there one where it pulled a higher share than Raw? Uh, well, now we have the football factor in yeah. play, though, I think is what Andrews said. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, what, yeah. what was the rating? Not, not, the, not the viewership total, but the rating was what? A 1.8? Yeah. yeah, which is terrible. I mean, that, that's a very low rating, but... Um, the viewership dropped, but it wasn't as tremendous as a drop uh, compared to the rating. Yeah, because yeah. there's the whole thing where there are so many more viewers per home than there used to be. I mean, it makes you wonder how much of that is like cord cutting and people getting together watching it, how much is families versus people watching alone, you know, alone before. And how but, many people are pirating I mean, yeah, that's it? Why, yeah. yeah, well, in terms of, well, but in terms of what's directly <laughs> affecting the rating that they can actually measure. Yeah, they but, they, I, yeah. they did not go below three million. That that's the that's the good part. They got three point oh six nine with a one point eight uh one point eight eight share. So they're doing a lot of viewers for home then. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, because that's a that rating just keeps get the rating keeps getting lower and lower. 
but it seems like the audience is going down smaller increments. Yeah, so it was the lowest rated demo, uh, the demo rating uh, this year, but the lowest rating was July 4th, 2.65. This was what, 1835 or 1849? Uh, they got an 091 for 18 to 49. And that was the lowest in July 4th. Yeah. Well, that's not good. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I, th I feel like ratings are one of the things that they use to sort of measure this now. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think, just sort of bigger picture scale? It seems to me that, you know, res wrestling right now feels more mainstream than ever, uh, or at least certainly more mainstream than it has since, you know, the late 90s. Um, you know, before that, the the era of Hulkamania. So we're so we're in this sort of third golden age of interest in wrestling in the popular culture. I mean, does does it feel to you guys like like regardless of where the ratings are, that the WWE has a bigger footprint now than it has in quite some time? Oh, they absolutely do, but it's sort of a confirmation bias thing because so much of that is the increased coverage on non wrestling sites or non wrestling sites adding wrestling sections it seems like. And, you know, some of that is also WWE doing better in terms of getting to mainstream local media than they did before as well, but I don't think there's anything to really indicate that. I mean, they have, you know, they have more paying customers than ever before, at least in recent memory for the pay-per-views and stuff, but it's also at a lower price. It's like, I think it's more of a sign of just how many wrestling fans have ended up in management in media than anything, and, you know, and other you know, positions as reporters and stuff and sports writers than anything else. Like, it, it feels like it's much bigger than it is. Like, I don't... Is there any really quantifiable way that says that they're in a boom period other than all the media coverage? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, I think social media... I think, in, in ways, it's, it's because it's not a private thing anymore, right? I mean, in the 80s um, and large portions of the 90s, like you could talk about wrestling with your friends or maybe wear a shirt, but now in the age of social media, we're in the very much an age of public fandom, you know, and really wearing it on your sleeve, uh, you know, figuratively as opposed to literally and being able to, to put it out there more. So I think you see the social media influence. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's more widespread now, or maybe it's always been this widespread. We just know about it more now because of these channels. Yeah, I, guess so. I, yeah I, I think it's between the social media buzz and the fact that there's so much wrestling out there that people are actually talking about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, on that note, guys, we should probably wrap up. I know we went really, really long uh, this week, and I apologize for my technical difficulties. Um, uh, I know uh, just quickly, David, do you want to give people a rundown of what they can expect tonight for the Cruiserweight Classic special? Yeah, so just quickly, actually, let me just bring that back up. Um Yes, tonight is the Cruiserweight Classic semifinals and finals. Um, I haven't actually checked. Have they announced what the non-tournament matches on the show are going to be? No, not that I've seen. Okay, so I mean, I'm, I'm assuming we're getting matches with the other guys, but you know, the matches that we've got tonight are Grand Metallic versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Kota Ibushi versus TJ Perkins, with the winners of those facing off in the finals for the trophy. Um... I mean, predictions, I mean, as far as we know right now, it looks like Grand Metallic and probably TJ Perkins are signed, while Kota Bushi and Zack Sabre Jr. are not. 
but going into the tournament, you would have thought that Saber and Ibushi were the favorites. So it becomes a question of, are they going to give the tournament to a guy who's not signed? So, I mean, what do you, what are you guys thinking? I, I think the final match is going to be Ibushi and Grand Metallic, and uh, Grand Metallic will win because they, they want to give it to someone that's signed. Or the, the whole uh, I haven't signed thing that Ibushi's doing, he's just working everybody, and he is signed, and nobody knows it. That's definitely a possibility. I mean, Saber does seem like he's definitely not signing. No, he's and definitely he's the not one who it seems yeah. like it's for sure with. Um, I mean, I'm still inclined to say Ibushi. I mean, if it's not Ibushi, I think it's going to be Grand Metallic, but it's hard to tell. I mean, if he's genuinely not signing, I think it has to be Grand Metallic that wins. Yeah, I, I, my money's on Grand Metallic. Now, and the final thought before we go... Why do you think they didn't make this for the title of the division that's starting on Raw on Monday? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. It seems weird because if they have a division, they're going to have a champion. But they, what, they're having this 32-man tournament that's not going to be for the championship? <laughs> yeah. I, no, because maybe yeah, they'll just walk around with a trophy. Maybe they'll just walk around with a trophy. They'll do another tournament on Raw. You know, for the for the champion, that'll be you know they love to repeat storylines, right? So, oh god, that is yes. what's going to happen. This is going to be the yeah. Bailey acting childlike. Only it's going to, only it's going to be even more similar. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally lost my train of thought there. I apologize. Uh, cool. But with uh, that, I think we're all looking forward to that tonight at nine on WWE Network. After an only NXT, they're not preempting NXT for this. Uh. I think that's it, Glenn. Cool. Sign us off. Cool. Well, yeah, Andrew, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, we want to let people know where they can check you out. Uh, GFKnetwork.com. We do a pro wrestling podcast there called Matt Men every uh, Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, we do live, and it's also available on the website at GFKnetwork.com. Cool. Cool. So thank you so much. Be sure to check out the GFQ Network and the Matt Men podcast. Uh, David, they can find your Twitter, uh, uh, the link there on the show notes as well uh, as mine. And uh, anything you want to plug before we wrap up here, David? Uh, yeah, for people who saw the thing I did a couple weeks back that I tweeted the FCC complaint about Rusev, I did do an article that's at Mel Magazine, which is We Are Mel. I mean, we are, we, W-E-A-R-E-M-E-L, I hate that I have to spell that out, dot com, uh, collecting more of the FCC complaints I I got for WWE and going over those and that went up late last week. So I figured I'd mention that since people might want to see that. Cool. Well, thanks so much. Uh, so until next time, I'll be back here on Monday, right after Monday Night Raw ends on the East Coast with Raj Geary and Matt Morgan uh, to do a recap of that show. So until next time, I'm Glenn Rubenstein and I will see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. <laughs>